This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, Bellator Society. Welcome to the podcast. This is Tracy Eddy, and I am in Scottsdale, Arizona, and recording with me all the way across the country in Nashville, Tennessee, is my awesome co-founder and co-host, Fran Yeager. Good morning. Hey, happy day to you. Happy day to you, too. It's Chili Beans here. What's it like in Phoenix? Nope, nope, don't tell me, because it's going to make me jealous. (laughs) Well, yesterday we actually did have like drizzly, gray, foggy, very ominous. But today it is 70 and sunny and gorgeous. So. Oh, y'all haven't made in the shade in the, in the wintertime in Phoenix. It's the season. Yep. It's right. the season, as they say. They have all the things. The Phoenix Open's coming up. Just had the Barrett Jackson car show where they sold off um, or auctioned off all of Paul Walker's cars from the Fast and Furious. And oh. it's, a, it's a huge deal. Anyways, uh, so we've been seeing all these fun old cars driving into town and um, but we go straight from Barrett Jackson to like this coming week is the Phoenix Open. I can't so it's believe it's already the Phoenix Open again because we went to the Phoenix Open with Bellator Society last year. We did. We had our first Twitch uh, streaming interview. We did. Last year. That's crazy. So it's still up there. Like our, we're it still, still on Twitch. There. So if you go to our Twitch channel, which is what what is it, Tracy? What is our Twitch channel? <laughs> Go to our website. I think maybe it's there. We're going to have it in the show notes. We're going to link to it in the show notes because you're going to want to watch our Twitch channel. Yeah. Not because of the fabulous interview that we did, which was which was just fabulous. But we're going to start streaming and you're going to start seeing some more stuff on Twitch. So become familiar with Twitch. So we actually just let a little Bellator secret pass just then because we're going to be doing a lot of more live streaming this year like yes. that's one of our that's one of our goals and so um just you know bellator listener stay land tuned. you know you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned we have goals um we started a little over a year ago mm-hmm. and we had some short-term goals that we i think achieved um quickly mm-hmm. and now we have long-term goals and so it's the beginning of the year still which has been fun because we're doing a lot of planning oh, yes. a lot of stretching our wings so many meetings of- so many meetings, so much creativity going on. <laughs> I got a headache. <laughs> but today we're talking about victory. Yes. Um, that has been our month-long series. And these series have been so fun to do to focus just kind of on a theme of the church or a yeah. theme of Christian life. And mm-hmm. we chose victory. Um, and we've had some excellent blogs. So we're just going to chit-chat about a couple of our favorites um, and they, there's been so many good ones. Really I know it's hard, hard to, to say these are favorites, yeah. but yeah, they scratch that. They're very, very good, <laughs> and I think they they're very emblematic of what our message, what we wanted the message to be with this with this um, month long series of victory, because you know, 
most of the time when you start a new year, it's all about like, you know, rebranding yourself and getting what, you know, getting rid of all of the vices and bad habits that we have and, you know, resolutions and things like that. But I feel like a little bit having a focus on all of those things is um, it's a little self-defeating, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not that we shouldn't be examining ourselves because I obviously think we should, we're Catholics. We believe in (laughs) self-examination daily, exactly. (laughs) especially if you're Ignatian, but, um, but you know, there's something that, you know, if you think too much about like all the things that are wrong, you lose sight of all of the things that are good. I mean, it's basic psychology, you know, it's, it's why we make those, those, those criticism sandwiches where you start with a compliment then you have the criticism and then you have the other <laughs> compliment. It's like, you know, because we know that celebrating good things is uplifting. It's, it's constructive. It builds. Right. And that's what we want to do here. So that was what, what was our goal was for the, for the month at least. And I think uh, going back on the, the term favorite that I just used, you're absolutely right. I, I think these are hard to say they're our favorite because so many of them are so good. Really all of them are so good. You're all my um, favorites. They're all my favorites, but I think the one, like the two, we've, we've both chosen two and, um, the two that I chose, I love them because they speak to me, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that's the gift of our writers. Yeah. They come from so many different walks of life that their writing speaks to, you know, everybody in different ways. Mm-hmm. And some, some writers are really going to resonate with, you know, a certain population of our viewership mm-hmm. and readership and, you know, vice versa. So the the two I chose, they really just kind of spoke to me in a in a deeper way. So I just wanted to clarify the favorite, <laughs> the favorite comment. Okay, so the first one. Do you want to go first? You can go first. Are you sure? Yeah, because I'm just jumping in there. How about we do one 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 one? Like we go back and forth. We ping pong this. Okay, so my first one that I'm going to discuss is victory in the battle of wills, mm. and this. Um, article was written by Elizabeth Hara out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And she, oh my goodness, she, if you know her personally, which we do, she's a strong-willed woman. (laughs) She's a bit of a type A and you can see how the Lord has worked just to kind of break her will a little bit to his will. And, and she's very vulnerable and she's very open about that. She um, said, you know, when she was growing up, She's got siblings, but they're a lot younger. So she said she kind of felt like an only child, and so she got her way a lot. And she 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 came to expect her way <laughs> as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then she got married, and she kind of, it was her way or the highway. And her husband, who was so, you know, really accommodated, because obviously he loves her to death. And, um, and, and the example she gives is how uh, the Lord used her, her anniversary trip to, um, to, to show her that, you know, you plan your way, but he directs your path. Mm -hmm. And, um, she goes back and forth as, you know, as a child, as a young married mom, you know, wife, as a mom. But, but my favorite part was how she said, you know, she was, um, she was planning this, you know, anniversary trip. She really put this idea in her husband's head. He, moved heaven and earth, got the kids, you know, situated where they were going to fly and stay with family and they were going to go on a cruise. And then I think there was like, I don't know, was it an earthquake or something? It was something crazy. It was Um, rain. It was rain in Arizona. 
<laughs> well, that was that was her. That was um, oh yeah 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 the, yeah the second that was part. the Got second it. part. Mm-hmm. So she wanted this you know wonderful Caribbean vacation. Yeah. She put it in his you know kind of not so gently put that in his ear. He made it happen, <laughs> and then it got canceled because yeah. of something you know some sort of natural disaster type situation. Mm-hmm. And so then um, he said, "It's okay. I'll make it work. We'll go to Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. I'll take you on this wonderful vacation. You'll relax. You'll sit by the pool." And it rained the whole time they yeah. were there, which. I'm sitting here, I'm telling you, it's sunny blue skies. That's pretty rare, like yeah. very rare. And so she said, I didn't see it as God's punishment, but I realized like it's not always going to be my way and I have to, I have to bend my will to the Lord. Yeah. And that was just, that was just such a superficial example, but still touched her in a way that I think um, we can all relate to, touched me in a way that I can relate to. Like I have things in my life that I'm like, this is how we're doing it. I'm planning it this way. But then there's just sometimes natural disasters, things that are out of our control happen. And we have to be able to like kind of go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also talked about her husband getting, um, getting, um, an opportunity for, you know, a great job out of state. I think it was down in Florida and she really wanted it and he really wanted it and they were excited. And she'd kind of started looking at schools down there and had sort of mentally moved. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't get the job and she was devastated. They were upset, but then he immediately ended up getting like, um, a pay raise and a, um, like a promotion where he currently was. Mm -hmm. And she realized, you know, the, the phrase when the, the Lord closes a door somewhere, he always opens a window. Mm-hmm. And that is so evident in this, you know, in her situation. And so I think these little things that she's gone through in her life has, has shown her, mm-hmm. you know, God's generosity is, is victorious. Yes. I mean, it's, you, yeah. He can, you can never be outdone. Um, God's generosity can never and will never be outdone. And so she related that to victory and like victory mm-hmm. in bending her will to to God's will. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's exactly right. Like we, we see all the, all of these little disappointments as losses in a way, because, you know, mm-hmm. we actually do have to let go of what we wanted or we, what we thought was best for us. But, you know, in the, in the Christian worldview, when we do step back and try to align our wills with that of God, or at least try to see what he was doing in all of that, you do see that that loss was actually, you know, a victory it, that it, it, it was mm-hmm. it was for your benefit it was for your good it was for the 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 grand scheme uh, goodness as opposed mm-hmm. to our little bitty like um, I don't want to say piddling because they're important to us but right. th- but they really are so small in in the grand scheme of things and um, when this podcast airs it'll be the feast day of um, one of my patrons St. Francis de Sales on January 24th and um it's so funny. He was, um, he's a doctor of the church and um, was just a spiritual master, um, especially in the, in the, the realm of like Christian psychology, even in the, you know, late 1500s, early 1600s, he had such insight into who we are as human beings, how we think and how we are to be formed, you know, into the person of Christ for sure. But, um, he had so many beautiful, um, he was also a spiritual director. In fact, my confirmation 
saint. My confirmation patroness is uh, Saint uh, Francis de Chantel, Jane Francis de Chantel, who was his um, directee. Okay, so uh, uh, do I have to make like a, a tree here to, to make a all little those bit. connections? So, <laughs> so my confirmation saint is Saint Jane Francis de Chantel. Her spiritual director was Francis de Sales. Saint Francis de Sales feast day is today. If you're listening on January 24th, and one of the things that I loved so much about him was his. Um, his encouragement to be gentle with ourselves and to mm-hmm. not, you know, really overreact or become out of line, you know, ha- have our alignment um, messed up because of these little disappointments. And there's a quote that he said that reminded me of, of Elizabeth's piece. And it was, when you encounter difficulties and contradictions, do not try to break them, but bend them with gentleness and time. I mean, mm-hmm. time. time. Yes, it's time. Yeah. It's uh, time is often the only thing that it takes for you to get to the other side of this is the worst thing that could have happened. This is, you know, to okay, it wasn't so bad. In fact, it was actually pretty good that that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. It maybe it, it maybe it was bad. Maybe it felt horrible, but it was a needed ripping off of a bandaid mm-hmm. or a needed surgery so yeah. that you can live your life way more. F- Yes. You know, way more victoriously in the long run. And I think that we understand this even from a, um, I mean, obviously we understand this from a Christian perspective, but it it even makes sense like in the secular world because like victories aren't always like the things that get the fanfare or the things that we necessarily want, but everybody realizes how, you know, about with cancer, you know, Mm -hmm. who makes somebody turn their life around at the end of their Mm -hmm. life is really a victory. Like it's a huge victory. I mean, nobody, it is the ultimate victory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody would think that cancer is victorious, and yet because of that diagnosis, it can look so different um, in in retrospect when we're really kind of seeing the whole picture. Um, and I think that's kind of also what we meant when we kind of introduced this this theme of you know Christ is the victor, and yeah. how foolish. The cross must have looked on Good Friday. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, for, for the Romans and the non-believers who observed the crucifixion of our blessed Lord and all of its, you know, gore and all of its just violence, you know, I bet that looked really stupid. <laughs> well, and not only that, uh, or to, to that point, to your point about how stupid the cross must have looked on Good Friday, um, the 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 idea that the cross was such a um, shameful, embarrassing, mm-hmm. um, like it, it was a symbol of humiliation, yeah. and yet in victory we wear them across our necks. Yeah, yeah, you we know, lift high we, the cross. Yeah, yeah. It, Amen. It, yeah, it is absolutely a sign of victory for us, and um, and again, these are these are the world's unexpected victories. You know that, that it fall. All of the things that we're going to be talking about fall in line behind the cross as an unexpected victory or a victory that that the world, the secular world, doesn't necessarily applaud or appreciate. But we know as Christians that they matter a lot. And my piece, my first piece that I really appreciated was one by Erin Bolkins titled Small Victories. And she starts it out with saying, sometimes we can feel like we're failing at everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you do Sometimes. feel that way. <laughs> Sometimes daily you feel like everything is falling around you and nothing is victorious. And I mean, I definitely identify with that. Um, 
And so she just goes on to celebrate or, or to help us reflect on how to celebrate life's, you know, little everyday victories, which sometimes aren't that little. You know what I mean? Right. Like she, she gives the example of, you know, just kind of taking the, taking a moment to, you know, keeping, just keeping your cool when your kids are being crazy, you know? Right. Hey, guess what? That's a victory. You know? That's a big one. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. Um, and, and it's a battle, you know? I mean, and we shouldn't overlook that. Like victory implies that battle. It yeah. implies that there's a conflict or a challenge or an obstacle. And so, you know, yes, some things come easy to us, but more often than not, the real victories are things that we have to struggle with. Yeah. Patience well, being and, number one for me. <laughs> and, and not, sorry to interrupt no, you, but no. the victory is so much sweeter when you fought hard for it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, a, an easy win at a football game, and this is very secular, but an easy win at a football game is not that exciting. It's not mm-hmm. that... You know, you don't feel great when you're playing a, a much um, more inferior team. And so any victory in our life, especially a spiritual victory, when you've worked really hard in an area of your life or you've worked really hard to overcome something, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, the victory is it's glorious. Yes. Yeah. And it makes you it makes you realize, especially when you go in with that measure of investment, you know, when the effort is that much more, it gives you confidence that you can do hard things. Hey, guess what? You can win a very hard battle and you can be victorious. And, and, you know, you know, in retrospect, as you know, the person who had been through the battle, like that sucked. That was terrible. That was hard. (laughs) But, But then you get that, that boost of, it's not just endorphins. It's not just a chemical thing. It, it, it just, it it changes your perspective on the possibilities, you know, of what, of what can be done. And it gives you hope for the next battle as well, which I think is super important. Well, and even more, um, even, even along those lines for me, I have found gratitude. I have found that I'm thankful for some of the, the hardest battles, the Mm -hmm. hardest things we went, you know, we've gone through as a married couple or just me as an individual. Um, when, when you come out on the other side and you see the victory, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thankful. I mean, I'm, I am joyful and happy that, that we were tested or I was Mm -hmm. tested or or whatever the case may be, but gosh, it doesn't feel good going through it. Um, but, but like you said, time Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. when you're in the thick and the heat of a battle. You know, one of the most beautiful like examples of this that I have witnessed. I mean, I can count, you know, obviously on both of my hands and both of my feet, all of the ways in which, as just as you said, individually or, or in our marriage or things that I have experienced firsthand, but as an out, as kind of an outsider looking in on someone's life, again, you know, my brother, we're, we're at three years since he passed away this, this January. And so he's on my mind a lot. Like I think about him in January a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the the last months of his life or the last weeks of his life, he, I mean, was, he fought the demon of alcoholism, unlike I've ever seen anybody before. And he got his 90 day sobriety just like a couple of weeks before he died. And man, that victory was just, I mean, we were glorying in that victory for him because there was a, there was obviously something he couldn't win. (laughs) Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that that there was a big, a big thing that he was not going to be able to to beat. But he beat this, you know. And at the end of your life, where you're kind of like, what, 
like, you know, you feel, again, you kind of feel defeated. Your body is, is, is breaking down, you know, um, your, your immunity is shot, all of these things. This was something that he could win and he did. And it was beautiful. And, and it was so encouraging for all of us who got to watch that as well. And you, when you yourself are in the thick of it, I think you forget that people are watching. Maybe, yeah. maybe you forget the people. Maybe you don't, but like, I don't think he did it so that he could impress us. Right. But he did. He yeah. absolutely did. And I think that that's something so important in the Christian life too, that we, that when we are living in community, when we're living like Christians, people are watching and, and mm-hmm. our victories become evangelism for them. Mm-hmm. Was it Saint, was it Saint? Pope John Paul II's book, Witness to Hope. Yes. Is, is that the title? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's exactly yeah. what, you know, your brother was for you, a yeah. witness to hope. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. Uh, thank you, Aaron Bulkins, because this was a really beautiful piece. Okay. My next one is Shona Terrell. Her blog that was just published, I believe, yesterday, No Pain, No Gain. Oh, my goodness. So she talks about her life as a married um woman with, you know, a family and her husband left her and how she had to just, you know, go through this suffering and how she was able to actually find joy. Mm -hmm. And she's talked a little bit on her blogs about her, you know, her divorce, um, with her husband. And she's very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. very honest, very charitable also. Like, um, but she talks from her perspective only and, Um, she said right before her husband left her, she was talking to a friend and her friend said something like, gosh, you know, I, I kind of like it when I go through a little bit of suffering because I know God is challenging me. He's stretching me. He's, he's for my good. So I I know. And she said she was kind of like, are you nuts? (laughs) Like, and I kind of have that theory too. Like I hear people talk about how they sort of not, nobody enjoys suffering, but they welcome it. And a lot of saints you'll read about how they welcome suffering. And that is not me. Yeah. (laughs) And I wish it were, but it is not. And I think Jesus hopefully is working on me, but, but I'm just not there yet. I mean, I'm just not there yet. And she said, um, I I love this sentence or this um, couple sentences. She said, this little sloth who loved Jesus, but was, Rather more like St. Augustine and saying, change me, God, just not yet or not too much, learned how to shine for Jesus. And so um, her victory was really um, being vulnerable during this tough, tough time. But she said, I didn't want to become bitter. Mm -hmm. And how her victory was that she didn't become bitter. This did not make her bitter. She learned to just really... um, devote herself and to trust Jesus and to, to live for him and for her children. And she said, I actually did find joy. And I told her, um, on our social media, you know, after we posted it, she, she does radiate joy. Mm -hmm. Like to me, Shona Terrell is a joyful woman. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I didn't even know that she was going through such a struggle because, um, she really didn't, not that it didn't, you know, get her down or anything like that. I'm sure it totally did, but she handled it so gracefully, mm-hmm. but she allowed it to change her for good and to, um, to go through this suffering and this time of grief and hardship and to turn it into something positive and something beautiful and to, um, to be really just a joy for her children. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, everything I ever see her, her do and social media and she's from Little Rock, Arkansas too. So I don't see her that much anymore, really. I haven't seen her in years personally, but we stayed in touch on social media and obviously she's a contributor. 
but she has been a witness to victory um, through through this suffering. So thank you, Shona. You are you are an example for us all. Absolutely. And what I also like about Shona's writing, especially in this piece, but just as you said, like in, in some previous contribution contributions that she's made, is her her honesty and vulnerability about her divorce because I think that that's something in the Catholic culture that we still like to keep in shadows because divorce is ugly. God hates divorce. It's a terrible mm-hmm. thing. It hurts families. It hurts um, husbands and wives, obviously, but it hurts children. You know, this it, divorce is just destructive. Um, but it's a reality. Right. It's something that um, people feel a lot of shame about. And whenever there's shame, refer back to our shame episode. <laughs> when, whenever you suffer with shame, it, it really is such a blockade to healing. It's such a blockade to victory, you know, real right. victory and real success and moving forward and realizing who you are um, as a person, as a child of God, as a beloved son and daughter, and as a member of the church. Because I think that that's something that we could do a better job of as Catholics. I mean, we, again, we still don't allow, you know, divorce and remarriage without annulment. I mean, that's a thing. And it's, and you know, we have reasons for that because we don't, we believe in sacramental marriages. You know, we believe mm-hmm. that God is doing something in the sacrament of marriage um, that cannot be undone. But we also realize right. that the parties going into marriage are broken parties often. Well, always, because we're all sinners. So we're, we're we always go into <laughs> To marriage with although this is a funny thing it's a side note side sidebar here um like just a couple minutes before I walked down the aisle um we had you know a couple of priests at our wedding but one of whom has known me since you know early childhood and right before I was going to walk down the aisle he came and tapped me on the shoulder and he said have you been to confession and I mean I think I probably had you know at least within a couple of weeks <laughs> and so I was like I think so he was like no have you been to confession today and I was like, oh, <laughs> now? Like, are we about to get married? He was like, come on, come on like, They're playing my song. <laughs> but, like, that was one of the most beautiful gifts I've ever been given was the opportunity to enter into my marriage, um, you know, having, having confessed to Jesus, you know, and, and to feel, like, clean and fully receptive of the graces that he wanted to pour into me through the sacrament of marriage. All that to say everybody goes into marriage a broken person, but some people go into marriage not even knowing what it means, not even really, you know, um, open to the graces for whatever reasons. And the church realizes that. And that's why we have annulment. In fact, you know, it might actually be worthy for us to explore the possibility of doing just either a podcast or even a series on divorce and annulment in the church. You know, we happen to know a canon lawyer. (laughs) 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 The not (laughs) self-appointed... I said they not self-appointed minister to Bellator Society, exactly. chaplain to Bellator Society. <laughs> We're looking at you, Deacon Glover. But, um, but you know, having just being able to explore what the church does believe about divorce, doesn't believe about annulment, you know, all of those things are very important because it is so shameful. That That's I'm circling back. Right. Here. It is something that people can get bogged down in shame about. And that is where Shona's light shines. That is part of her victory is she doesn't let right. this, this, she doesn't let this thing that, that could really just be an albatross for people in their growth and in their their ability to to reach out to other people she didn't let that happen you know she she accepted the cross of divorce which is how i think she would describe it as well as as um 
as a path to resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and that's where, that's where the victory is so beautiful to me in her testimony. I love that. It, it truly did become her path to really become alive. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, she was, she was, she felt cowardice yeah. when her friend said that she welcomed suffering and, and she loved the church and she loved Jesus and, and she knew she wanted to be like the saints, but yeah, you know, don't take me out of my comfort zone, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when this happened, she didn't really have a choice mm-hmm. and, and it just shows how she, um, she used the suffering, she used the hardship, she used the cross for just a beautiful victory. Yeah. So thank you, Shona. I we, love that one. we love you and we love, we love your your writings. Well, we love that one. And a lot of people, a lot of other people did too. Like that's been yes. one of our biggest, um, you know, th- this month, the ones that have gotten the biggest traffic and commentary. So um, you, you struck a nerve and we thank you for your courage and your vulnerability in, yes. in posting that one. And then the the second one that I want to talk about is uh, Dreaming of Victory by Brooke Glover. Speaking of the Glovers, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Deacon Glover's lovely bride, Brooke, um, wrote a piece that I just really, really loved and um this was just number one she refers to their family's um devotion to sportsing (laughs) go sportsing (laughs) (laughs) um it's so funny like if you put the jaeger boys beside the glover boys you know the difference between someone who's into sports and not sports like my children (laughs) don't even know half of the stuff that james glover knows and you know it's just it's just super duper funny but um we what i liked about this blog specifically was how she made the bridge so um easily to uh our spiritual uh conditioning you know because she was saying you know because they have such a devotion to sports i mean they have their their son in you know uh hitting camps for baseball batting cages I'm saying all these words wrong, by the way. I don't actually know that these are things that you do in baseball. But, but basically, lots of practicing for baseball. And um, and and yet, she was like, but that's not even the most important thing. Really, our focus is on helping our children uh, become you know, spiritual beings become people of faith who just like, you know, you do all this practice to, to gain muscle memory so that it becomes effortless. You know, when you get to the mound, even if you're nervous, you can hit the ball, have right foot placement, all of those things, because you've done it so many times, you know, that, that the ritual is in your body. It's in your muscles. You just know how to do it. And she's like, that's what we want for our kids in the spiritual life, in their, in their life of faith. We want them to have done, you know, all of the, the, the right, you know, rituals, um, you know, have the right form, you know, repeat the prayers, live the liturgy, celebrate the feast days, go to mass, you know, all of these she calls uh, faith mechanics. And, um, and she says that she's hoping that they help build spiritual muscle memory for her kids. And amen. Amen. And she makes such a good point. Like my son's goal and probably dream is to be a a major league baseball player, but the chances, you know, who knows, but he's definitely going to die one day and he's definitely going to have, you know, an eternal, an eternity somewhere. And what is more important, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, fame and fortune of, of major league baseball, Mm -hmm. which would not be a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but the certainty of death, you know, and so as a mother and a father, um, their focus on, yes, we do this, this is good, this is healthy, 
but this is more important. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your faith mechanics are just as important, if not more important, because you will 100% die one day and you will 100%, you know, um, be judged Mm -hmm. and, and, and go through all the, you know, the last judgment. And so having the, the faith mechanics, um, for, for your future is way more important Mm -hmm. than, you know, the, the, the baseball mechanics. And of course, you know, Brooke, she does such a beautiful job of communicating her meaning here. And I, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but what she didn't say overtly, but that I can kind of draw from this is that cultural tension that we often have between sports and faith. Like, is it in, is it in, is it in Colorado and Denver where the Catholic schools no longer allow um, like sports on Sundays? Is that is that something that is in the Archdiocese of Denver? I think it might I be. Know. I know that it's in some it's in some archdiocese or some diocese around the, the the country, at least in the United States, where bishops have you know made the rule like we're not going to do at least in the Catholic schools, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to mm-hmm. do sports on Sunday because it, it ends up being a conflict. Like you know, if yes. victory is about winning, you know, then then we have to kind of keep our eyes on the prize. But in the in the grand scheme of things, what is the prize? Just as you said, like the prize is heaven it's not you know getting the championship ring in the 2020 spring baseball tournament you know right that that, again not unimportant yes right but it's it's all about right order and and we have lost so much in our culture of right ordering um and i think that this this piece again i'm not putting words in brooks in brooks mouth but like it it orients me to okay are we really putting you know the the right weight on the right things and in the right Right. order and um it's a little bit it's it's a little sobering you know if we think about it if I think about it just in terms I mean again my kids don't play a lot of sports and we don't have sports on Sundays and so that's not often a conflict that we have but you know we do like to go out of town on the weekends so you know what that means when we can, we have to look up what time the masses are, you know, fit that into whatever our scheduling is. Like that has to be the first thing that we do when we plan a trip or it doesn't happen. Like you just, right. you know, a priest just doesn't show up in your condo and say, hey, would you like a, <laughs> a notice? That you, although I did read this on, tw- I think it was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where a priest said, um, I think he was riding, uh, he was taking a trip with like a cousin or something. And um, he had like a little traveling mass kit. And he asked his cousin, you know, whether he had been to mass that day. I guess it was a Sunday. And his his cousin was like, no, I forgot. I'm not there. He said, lucky for you. Uh, you're traveling. <laughs> and then the, the stewardess heard him say that. And she was like, oh, I haven't been, been to mass either. So I guess he said mass on the plane for That's his cousin amazing. and a stewardess. That is amazing. I know. I love it. But that didn't happen in real life. No. <laughs> really, you have to go to masstimes.org and figure Don't it out. Don't plane on that. <laughs> Do not hang your hat on what Fran just said. No. <laughs> that probably won't happen. No, probably not. But when you do put things in the right order, you do have that sense of victory. And I think that's kind of where it, it loops back is, you know, you might think that all of these other things are super important and you may even be succeeding in all of these other things. Mm-hmm. But when you really do have the perspective of right order, you can kind of relish in the 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 little victories or the big victories that look like meeting your Sunday obligation you know mm-hmm. 
abstaining on Friday or at least making Friday a day of penance for you. Um, you know, there's so many little things that our faith and our church offer offers us um, to be victorious in the everyday things that relate back to our faith, you know, that, that we value sacrifice in, in a number of ways, where, whether it means not putting sugar in that last cup of coffee or, you know, whether it means, I mean, it, it, there's so many ways that we can be victorious <laughs> and offered up to God, like turn these little sort of mundane uh, victories over our own will because that's what they are mm-hmm. kind of, again, referring back to, to Elizabeth's piece, like they become victories over our own will. And when we offer them to God, they are part of his crown. Yes. Yes. Um, earthly victories are awesome. Eternal victories are the end goal. Yeah. Yep. So, so you, like you said, right order, you got to live your life where, um, the eternal victory is, is the most important part. Mm-hmm. Victory! Victory! Um, so, do we want to do our last little bits? Yeah, let's do it. Do you have one? I do have one. Do you one. have one ready? I do have one ready. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay. I'm just going to let you go then. Okay. Um, uh, so, this week is also... I know last week we spent a lot of time kind of um, talking about uh, a woman's right to choose. I'm saying that in air quotes. A woman's right to choose. And how that contrasts to uh, the church's teaching on the right to life and the dignity of all human life and things like that. So, I don't want to like get into all of you know those those arguments or anything like that again, um, except to say that this week is the the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. And on Friday, when this will be airing, we will be having our, I think it's the 47th annual uh, March for Life in Washington, D.C., which is a big deal. People all over the country drive, fly, go to D.C. to really stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. And um, I read something on the Catholic interwebs that I never knew before. So um, there is a man named, um, I think it's Jerome Lejeune, um, who was a researcher, a genetics researcher, who actually was uh, one of the um, researchers who found the link between Down syndrome and trisomy 21 in 1958. So um, he, Jerome Lejeune and uh, Marta Gautier, um, were studying and, and found this link. And so it... In, in one way, the, the article um, says it helped um, people who, again, there was shame for a very long time around Down syndrome, as there is around any disease, you know, a genetic abnormality or, or whatever it is. Like, historically speaking, I mean, even go back to the Bible, if someone was blind, they turned to Jesus and said, why is he blind? What does his parents do wrong? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's some measure of shame associated with that. But when he found this genetic link, um, the article that I read said it helped families come out of the shadows with scientific proof that it was a chromosome abnormality and not a result of sinful behavior. I mean, y'all, this is as late as 1958. This was a huge, crazy. huge groundbreaking kind of discovery in science. But what I didn't know also was that he was a deeply faithful Catholic man. And in fact, he was the first um, president of the Pontifical Academy uh, for Life, appointed by St. John Paul II. And wow. he was very um, discouraged by the fact that his discovery about the, the genetics of um, 
uh, Down syndrome actually played a part in in uh, people uh, terminating pregnancies and aborting babies when they found out that they had Down syndrome, and mm. and this obviously broke his heart because I mean he was trying to serve you know, the good of humanity through science by helping us explain why these things happen, you know, what, what these abnormalities mean and are and, you know, all of those things. And yet the, the abortion industry has, has turned it into uh, their, their quest to eliminate these people because of their struggles, because of, of their, um, because of the obstacles, instead of allowing them to have the victories that we all can appreciate. Again, you don't have to be Christian to appreciate the victory when you see a YouTube video of a Down syndrome, you know, little boy or little girl doing something awesome that they shouldn't be able to do. You know, and that I mean, there's so much victory and beauty in seeing these people who are perhaps broken in body, perhaps not like us um, mentally, physically, you know, all of those things. And yet they, too, have the dignity that we have and we should be celebrating them and the victories that they can accomplish in their lives because they are beautiful. They are encouraging. They are uplifting. Again, going back to seeing, you know, even as an outsider looking in, they are witnesses to the beauty of life for us. And um, I was just going to say one last thing about about, um, Jerome Lejeune. Apparently, he is on the path to canonization what i know so that's awesome he was uh, named i believe a um servant of god in 2017 and so he's kind of made the next step towards the 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 next level of canonization which would be venerable um so i just want to say y'all we need to pray to this friend in heaven yes we need to help him find some some pretty awesome miracles that can be just huge victories for jesus um in the world and just get this guy uh get him get him canonized well we pray every night for an end to abortion and we pray for doctors and nurses and caregivers to just have a change of heart and so why not just ask him to intercede in this nightly prayer and um yes help 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 make that happen that's awesome jerome lejeune I I love your accent. I love your. <laughs> so first of all, let's go back real quick. I might have two last little bits, but but they'll be quick. Who's your confirmation saint? Oh, Jane Francis de Chantel. Okay, how did you find Jane Francis de Chantel? Well, my name is Franchelle Genet, which is basically Francis Jane. Um, and so the the reflection of that is Jane Francis. And so when I was looking at, I mean, Francis seemed like a pretty obvious choice for me for a confirmation saying if I'm just going to go like with names. Yeah, um, right. And so like there are tons of Francis's. You can't go wrong with Francis, basically. Right. But here was a woman who, interestingly, was a, was a wife, a mother, and a religious sister she did all the things and so you know at 14 years old not knowing exactly what my vocation is going to be I was like well she's done all the things so like (laughs) she got all seven of those sacraments exactly so um you know so I just she just seemed like a and and I didn't I mean I'm not gonna I'm not going to give any indication that I was fully informed of what I was choosing at you know 13 or 14 years old um when I was confirmed but she just she's she's she spoke to me she struck me as someone who was interesting and only years later did I find out that her spiritual director was Francis de Sales who I have loved for a very long time in fact one of my very favorite books okay this is my second little bit one of my very favorite books is uh Francis 
Francis de Sales and Jane Francis de Chantel's um, Letters of Spiritual Direction. Oh my goodness. If you can't find a spiritual director, like, and you want one. Just read right theirs. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding. Like, it, 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 it is spiritual direction for you if you're living in the world. Uh, and that's really where Francis de Sales shines. Like, a lot of spiritual directors are you know, directing people in monasteries or in mm-hmm. orders, or he's directing a married woman who is of, of great affluence living in France, who has all of the struggles that a normal human being has, in, you know, internally, externally, all of the things. And his message is always a message of, of love, of mercy, of kindness, and of gentleness, which is something that I definitely need as well. Well, I think, A, that's beautiful. B, we're going to put that in our show notes because now I want to get the book. And C, it also goes to show that at the age of 13 or 14, Fran was doing more research than I was at 13 or 14. So some (laughs) things just don't change. Like, I think you are who you are. (laughs) You were showing your your signs of like, well, I looked up all the Francis's. (laughs) My middle name is Anne. And I chose St. Anne because... My middle name's Ann. Yeah, it's and your Christian name. It, it, yes, it's my Christian name. That was it was just super obvious. My mom was like, "Yeah, you know, you're named after Mary's mother," and I'm like, "Perfect, done." Like, I, I <laughs> you can't do better than that. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not a, I'm not ashamed. I don't wish I had anybody else because she's pretty epic. Uh, she's I mean, awesome. she birthed the immaculate conception, but, but still, um, I just giggle because. Uh, and I love that Jesus can use my lack of research. <laughs> <laughs> to give me the perfect confirmations, you know, and name and the perfect, you know, patron saint and you through your, your love of research and, and reading and digging, um, that you found someone who has such a close relation to a saint that you already looked up to, mm-hmm. you know, without you even knowing. Exactly. That's just, yeah. it's a God wink. The, the victory is in Jesus for both the of us. The victory is in Jesus. Um, okay. My last, my other last little bit was, and I saw you post it. I've, I don't know that I've posted it, but I, I commented on it. I've made everybody in my family watch it. The Francis Chan video. <gasps> Speaking of Francis. Speaking of Francis. <laughs> Um, so it is, you said when you posted about Mm -hmm. him that you are, were kind of familiar with him. He's a very, um, well-loved, well-known Protestant pastor out of California, very, um, just captivating, has a way with words is, you know, you, you want to listen to him talk. He's very entertaining and energized and not, you know, not boring. And, um, he's had sort of an epiphany about communion Mm -hmm. and just about the early church Mm -hmm. and how he realized like, wow, there used to be a table. This used to be about breaking bread the you know, the, the get togethers and the worshiping was more about honoring God and participating in, in communion and not really about the music and not really about the speaker and not really about the light show. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and he said, you know, if God was looking down, like if people are showing up because there's a really cool speaker and a great band or people are showing up because they get to participate in communion, like what's more honoring. And he said, it always, he said, I always had a problem with scripture based on how we um, interpreted it, mm-hmm. like in his, you know, faith tradition and how he was taught in seminary. He said, but it was one of those things I just sort of glossed over. Mm-hmm. And, but it just gnawed at him and gnawed at him. And he's really um, gave this impassioned 
speech. I couldn't tell how many people were there because it was just so focused on him. But it, it seemed evident that there were a lot of people there watching. And and I think it's, you know, he's going through a, a season of um, kind of relearning some things or maybe educating himself on things or, or doing deeper dives into theology, church history, tradition. Um, he said, you know, things like 1500 years ago, I didn't know this is how they did it. Yeah. Th- this is how they did it. Yeah. Um, and I think we do such a good job. We've always said we need to do better in the Catholic church of, of, edu- of, you know, Bible studies and scripture studies, but we do a really good job on church history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my kids in their theology classes do a lot of church history. And I think that's maybe what he felt was he had lacked. He, yeah. he didn't really have that education. Um, but it's excellent. If you're interested, we can even link it in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Francis Chan, uh, look them up, listen to them. It's, it's really, now it, obviously it's a Protestant perspective, but it's, it's really, um, Oh, but it's exciting. It's, it is so Catholic. Like it's a product. Yeah. It, it is, it is a Catholic perspective through the mouth of a Protestant. In fact, I was listening yeah. to it the first time. Well, I listened to it a couple of times, but the first time I listened <laughs> to it, I was sitting at the bar in the kitchen and one of my kids, one of my teenagers was just kind of sitting in the, in the room adjacent. And he was like, who is like, he kind of perked his head up. He was like, who is this? And I, I stopped it. And I kind of explained to him, this is a, you know, a Protestant pastor who's really famous. I've been listening to him for a while, but I'm just kind of like awestruck that he's saying things that are, that are, you know, really in line with what Catholic Church about what the Catholic Church teaches about the blood the body and blood of our Lord in the Eucharist and so I just kind of went back and you know started listening some more and then he kind of popped his head up again he was like this guy isn't Catholic and I was like no he, he's not he's not and he's kind of like non-denominational I think and he was like okay and then a few minutes later he was like I am freaking out here this guy is not Catholic why is he not Catholic <laughs> and I was like exactly I'm freaking out too <laughs> I love that well, it does seem like he is he is on a slow path to um, finding his way to the Catholic Church because everything he's saying is very Catholic. And he even said, you know, like in our church, you're not supposed to receive communion if you have mortal grave sin on your soul. It's mm-hmm. you know, it, it it and it says in Scripture, it's it's bad for you. It's it can cause death. Yeah. Some you know, and he goes like, have we ever thought about it like that? Have yeah. we ever said, don't go in his church? Don't go to communion if there's if if you're unworthy because you could die. Mm-hmm. Who's like, I mean, if we really believe that, we there'd be signs up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we we care about each other that much. There'd be signs up saying like, watch out, this could this yeah. could kill you. Don't do this if X Y and Z. Um, and so he even they they had a communion service. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was it was um, a symbolic community service. It was not the true presence. Um, but you can see his devotion mm-hmm. to communion and to, you know, breaking bread mm-hmm. with um, fellow Christians is really growing in, in such a Catholic sense that I'm so anxious and interested to see, like, where his path I know. goes. Yeah, I know. So. It's so cool. Well, all right. Well, be victory. Be victory. Be victorious <laughs> this weekend. Be the personification be of victory. <laughs> That's right. Be victory. Be victorious. And be a witness to your victory. Amen. Bye, y'all. Amen. Bye, y'all. See ya. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful. Thank you.